Australia's unemployment rate falls to a new 48-year low. Traffic is back to pre-pandemic levels, but people are trying to travel outside peak hours. And why Japan is running a campaign to get 20 and 30-year-olds to drink more alcohol. It's Thursday, the 19th of August, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Now I have a 20-year-old. I am not campaigning to get him to drink more alcohol. This story sounds bizarre. Is this like actually a a government-sanctioned campaign? Yes, a government-backed is the way they're putting it. We'll tell you more about it. And it makes total sense when I tell you about it. Still, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure the idea of of telling a 20-year-old boy to drink more alcohol (laughs) is necessarily a sensible idea. Do it for the country. Yeah. Yeah. it It doesn't quite... I think, send the right message. But anyway, we'll get to that a little bit later on. I'm looking forward to that one. You've got an interview coming up after the show with Jardin Australia's Carlos Cacho about yesterday's labour market figures. Yes, he's a chief economist there, and we run through what the figures mean and what it means for the Reserve Bank and interest rates, of course. And that is, of course, our main story this morning, Sean. The Australian economy lost 41,000 jobs in July, but that didn't prevent the unemployment rate from falling to a new 48-year low of 3.4%. Yes, and for the first time, the number of unemployed, 474,000, was lower than job vacancies. That's 480,000, the 6,000 discrepancy there. It might seem unusual to have job losses and a fall in the unemployment rate, but that reflects a drop in the participation rate or the number of people looking for work. The participation rate had been at record levels, but fell back last month, albeit still above pre-pandemic levels. Labor market spare capacity, which is a measure of unemployment plus underemployment, people not getting enough work, that measure is at its lowest level in 40 years. Pretty incredible. The monthly numbers bounce around a bit and make sense when you think of COVID illnesses flooding along the East Coast and winter school holidays. But however you look at it, the labour market is hot. And it feels like it's been like that for a while now. Is it going to last? Well, these numbers are a bit weaker than economists expected, particularly the job losses. And some of the leading indicators of the employment market, such as job advertisements, have fallen slightly. But they're coming off very high levels. So the labour market should be strong for some time yet. And that's very important when it comes to household spending, which is one of the Reserve Bank's main concerns. And Sean, I'm assuming these numbers aren't going to stop the Reserve Bank from lifting interest rates further. That's probably right. It's a sensible assumption, that one. The labour market is tight. Wage growth is rising, though not yet out of control. It seems that the next time the central bank board meets, and that's in a little over two weeks' time, rates will rise again. The main question is whether they'll jump by 50 basis points or 25 basis points. The consensus is probably the former. All right. How about local markets? What happened yesterday? The S&P ASX 200 finished down just a touch to 7,113 points. Transurban fell more than 3%, more of that shortly. Aristocrat Leisure, West Farmers and ANZ all fell back more than 1%. CSL was among the better performing large caps, up 2.6%, while Brambles jumped more than 3.5%. Now, both those two companies, CSL and Brambles, reported on Wednesday. And as is usual, much of the price action occurs not immediately after they report, but 24 to 72 hours later. Away from the large caps yesterday, a standout was Whitehaven Coal. Now, it's been performing incredibly well over the past 12 months, and its share price hit an 11-year high yesterday. In fact, it's up 200% over the past year, the second best of the top 200. 
There's a bit going on at Maya. The group's biggest shareholder, Solomon Liu's Premier Investments, is understood to want a seat on the board after upping its stake to nearly 23%. The best yesterday was intellectual property services group IPH, which jumped 15% after releasing its results and announcing it will acquire a Canadian firm. Worst was metal detection group Coden, which slumped 10% after its earnings announcement. Now, Michael, I'm going to ask you a question because I want to know whether you've been listening. I mentioned that Whitehaven Coal was the second best performer on the market over the past 12 months. Mm. I don't want you to tell me which was the best performer. I want you to have a go at telling me which sector it was from, what it might do. I would say it is, I was going to pick a lithium company. Oh, well done. Core Lithium. Best oh. on the market. Well done. Oh, I've got to tell you, I am sweating here. I was like, I'm really put on the spot here and you are, you are testing me. That was totally without notice. Well done. Oh, I was about to ask you, I was preparing my question without notice for you and suddenly you sprang that one on me. Oh. Oh, there we go. Hmm. There we go. You want yours? Yep. Okay. My question for you is about Maya and Solomon mm. Liu wanting yes. a seat on the board. 22.87%. Seems like a, a, a fairly significant chunk of the company. What what's like the normal threshold at which a, a fairly significant shareholder can kind of secure a seat? It depends what the board's like and how much they like the shareholder, etc. Twenty two point eight seven percent is pretty much enough to get him a seat on the board. Previously, he hasn't wanted a seat on the board, and obviously he's been an agitator within that company for a while. He's been very critical of the board and of management. He hasn't pushed for a board seat, so they haven't exactly been offering one, but it seems like he now wants one. Oh, it's just, uh, Maya is always just, there's so much good theatre. There's plenty of drama, isn't there? Great theatre. Yeah, absolutely. All right. International markets, what's happening? Well, the release of the minutes of the latest Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting yesterday morning had some traders thinking that interest rates in the world's biggest economy might not rise as quickly as anticipated. Some members of the committee said that once interest rates hit a certain level, it might be time to hold back. No one doubts that rates are rising, but maybe more slowly than has occurred over recent months. Also, another story worth mentioning, Norway's $1.3 trillion US dollars sovereign wealth fund lost $174 billion US dollars in the six months to the end of June. Now, this fund is often held out as a benchmark sovereign fund for the rest of the world to follow, but it has bet big on tech stocks, notably Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet, parent of Google, and that wasn't a good place to be in the first six months of this year, hence the massive loss, the largest ever for the fund. Finally, Michael, oil prices have consolidated somewhat with Brent crude still around 93 US dollars a barrel, gold's at 1760 US dollars an ounce, and the Aussie dollar's a bit lower, buying 69 US cents. All right, we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, Australia's biggest toll road group, Transurban, reported a disappointing $16 million net profit and its distribution will be lower than expected. That all triggered a 3.4% fall in its share price yesterday, but it's really kind of what's behind the numbers that's most interesting here. Yes, Transurban is one of those companies that outside the business media, it really doesn't get much attention, but it's the 13th biggest company on the ASX, just behind Telstra, and it's worth $43 billion. It also knows all about traffic flows and what's happening in pandemic-hit cities. Across the last financial year, average daily traffic was down slightly. But in the final few months, May, June, 
cars were back on the road. In fact, in the June quarter, on average, there were 2.4 million trips a day on transurban toll roads, which is back to pre-pandemic levels. Traffic flows to CBDs have risen faster than CBD occupancy rates. We've spoken a lot about those. Transurban research shows that people now have greater flexibility around working from home. We knew that. Even more interesting is that 70% now have greater flexibility around starting and finishing times. So they skip the peak. That's great. It's also encouraging private vehicles and discouraging public transport. That is good for Transurban. Just a really fascinating insight into how people behave. And it's just another one of those changes from the the pandemic that is likely to stick around forever. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now, Greens leader Adam Bant has requested for a parliamentary privileges committee to start an investigation into whether former Prime Minister Scott Morrison deliberately misled the parliament and is in contempt through his secret appointments into various ministries. Yes, this one won't go away. Mr Bant said that Scott Morrison's contempt for the Australian people may also be a contempt of Parliament. We'll have to wait and see about that one. Meanwhile, Nationals leader David Littleproud agreed with comments that Scott Morrison breached the coalition agreement with his secret portfolios. Of particular concern for the junior coalition partner is the resources portfolio held by National Keith Pitt, or at least it was. It was also the only portfolio Scott Morrison has used his standing in to make a decision. This is a story that just keeps on going. We'll be watching this one for a while. Now, Origin Energy's underlying profit jumped 30% last financial year, but it, it seems it isn't too sure about how the next 12 months is going to play out. Market conditions are just too uncertain to provide guidance, the energy giant said, and that sent its share price down 7% at one point yesterday. By the end of the day, it finished about 2.6% lower. Some of the unanswered questions include whether Origin can get enough coal to fire up its Araring powered generator in New South Wales, and of course, how much that coal will cost. Also, how much will Origin be allowed to charge given the volatility in wholesale electricity markets? Now, Michael, all this is relevant to you and I and all our listeners because Origin is one of the few companies that provides electricity to this country. And we've seen what's happened in recent times when there's been power shortages. Overall, Origin's increase in underlying profit reflected much higher LNG prices. It's got a Queensland gas export business and that benefited from those higher LNG prices. Its statutory profit was actually a loss of $1.4 billion, but that's about a one-off impairment and capital gains tax expense associated with its sale of an interest in Australia Pacific LNG. All right. Now, Sean, there seems to be a little bit of an alcohol kind of theme to today's Mm. show. We mentioned Japan earlier and we'll be getting to that a little bit later on. But how about this one? Wine prices are rising and apparently Australians are prepared to pay higher prices considering it an affordable luxury. Luxury or necessity? Well, it depends on who you ask really, isn't it? (laughs) I think so. Treasury Wine Estates, owner of Penfolds, among others, yesterday reported a 5% jump in net profit and said it's lifted prices across a range of its products to pay for higher raw material costs. Now, remember about a month ago, I talked about the latest Grange costing $1,000 for the first time? Yes, yes. Yes. Well, apparently now they're lifting prices across a bunch of wines. The company also said it had made good progress shifting away from China, which last year, of course, imposed punitive tariffs on its products. Chief Executive Tim Ford was relaxed about a potential recession in the US, Australia and elsewhere because, as you said, wine is an affordable luxury, he thinks. 
Now, Sean, this is an interesting one. Qantas's plan to acquire Alliance Aviation has been dealt a pretty significant blow after the competition regulator voiced some concerns. That's right. Qantas wants to spend $600 million buying the Brisbane-based airline, but in its preliminary view, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission said the sale would lessen competition on regional routes and in the fly-in, fly-out market. However, there is an out. It's up to Qantas now to go back to the regulator before November to allay the fears that it will lessen competition. So it's not over yet. All right. Amcor, the world's biggest consumer packaging group, has been able to push through price increases of 12%, but its pre-tax profit was still down 7%. Like Bramble's the day before, Amcor has been able to pass on higher prices to customers. Now, those customers are often retailers or wholesalers, and you know where the higher prices land eventually with us. Mm. Mm. Yes. Oh, so I didn't realise that was another question without notice. I well, it wasn't really. <laughs> it was more rhetorical really, yeah, wasn't it? it was. Amcor operates 225 packaging plants around the world and puts wrapping on everything from meat, cheese and condiments to pet food, healthcare and personal care products. Its primary listing is now on the New York Stock Exchange. It kind of outgrew the ASX, though it still has a secondary listing here. Apart from price rises, the other thing which I thought was really interesting from MCOR yesterday is that it said it will sell three factories it operates in Russia. And there are a few other smaller companies that were reporting yesterday as well, Sean. Evolution Mining said pre-tax profit was down 16% with a fifth consecutive year of falling production. Yeah, that gold miner hasn't done so well. Health insurer Medibank Private said net profit was down 11% after a fall in investment income. And finally, Michael Vitamins Group Blackmore's reported a jump in revenue and profit, including higher turnover in China. Also helping is the flu season with shoppers buying more vitamin C and D, zinc and fish oil. Investors weren't impressed though, its share price fell more than 10%. All right, moving on to overseas news. The US government plans to hold talks with Taiwan on a wide-ranging trade treaty in a sign of support for the self-ruled island democracy. Yes, and the announcement, let alone any deal, will really irritate Beijing, which claims the island as part of China. The talks plan to deepen cooperation in agriculture, the environment and digital technology. Of course, the announcement comes after Beijing held military drills that included firing missiles into the sea to intimidate Taiwan following this month's visit by US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. That situation is escalating, not diminishing. Really interesting story developing in the, the fitness space, Sean. Ah, you're talking my language. You're I know. Well, I know that you actually do attend F45, which mm. I am still, my mind is just, <laughs> is still kind of grappling with that image. But <laughs> the chain, the F45 gym chain has announced a quarterly loss of 35 million US dollars. Of course, this is the group that actually started here in Australia. It listed then on Wall Street with the support of Hollywood star Mark Wahlberg. Yes, that's right. And and it is in trouble. Mind you, so long as the Taramara F45 stays open, I'll be happy. <laughs> Self-interest, of course. Carry on. Absolutely. Look, at the end of last year, it had 1,800 gyms around the world and was set to open 1,500 more. It had listed on the New York Stock Exchange and was worth $1.4 billion. Now, things haven't been going so well since then. Since its peak, F45 share price has lost more than 85% in value, and the major shareholder, Mark Wahlberg, has been selling down. Last month, it got rid of its Australian founder and chief executive, Adam Gilchrist. It cut 110 staff, which was about half its global staff, and drastically reduced new gym openings. According to media reports, it's now struggling to raise money to expand, 
and expansion is very, very important for a chain like F45. It's also facing at least five lawsuits from disgruntled franchisees. I think F45 is great. I love it. So I'm cheering for it, but not that I should have a view because, of course, I'm very objective in everything yeah, I do. And, and and you've also been going for three weeks now. So let's <laughs> I'm sore all over. <laughs> let's see whether you still feel the same in about six months. Yeah. Can, I, can I just add, it's five weeks for the record. Oh, okay. All right. Very important to get these <laughs> things right. Now, this is the story that we mentioned at the top of the show, and I'm very keen to hear a bit more about it. Japan running a campaign to convince young adults to drink more. Yes. Japan's population is aging, Michael. We know that. And that's led to a drop in alcohol consumption because older people don't drink as much, which of course has led to a drop in tax collections. (laughs) They've never been to the bingo at the RSL then, have they? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot wrong with that statement, but we might just leave it. Alcohol accounted for about 3% of total taxes a decade ago in Japan, according to the Financial Times, and now it accounts for just 2%. 2%. That is a big drop. So the solution, Saki Viva, which is an unorthodox government-backed campaign, which is asking people to devise ways to get people between 20 and 39 years of age to drink more. Wow. That, that's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. It's real. It's a real story. There we go. We, let's see how it goes. All right. Up next is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. And today you're speaking with Carlos Cacho from Jardin Australia. Yes. It's all about yesterday's unemployment figures. Very interesting chat with Carlos. All right. That's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you very much, Sean, and good luck at F45 this morning. Thank you very much, Michael. It's Friday, the 19th of August, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.